Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership, where we connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important topics to help us on our journey towards greater significance. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Jeff Nishwitz is known as a snow globe shaker, shaking things up who's on a mission to help people shift how they lead and thereby shift their leadership impact. He's an international speaker and personal transformation coach known for his unique perspectives, challenging traditional thinking and delivering tangible shifts for leaders to grow their people, build their businesses and enhance their relationships. Jeff's the founder of the Nishwitz Group, a speaking, consulting, and coaching company that transforms people and organizations one truth at a time. He's the co-founder of Cardevera.com, a leadership development ecosystem that grows leaders and their impact. He also co-hosts the Impact Leadership Podcast. Jeff has published four leadership and business books, including his most recent, Just One Step, walking backwards to the present on the Camino Trail. He's also one of the co-authors of The Top 25 Changemakers, How Florida Entrepreneurs Thrived During Challenging Times. Our interview will begin right after messages from our sponsors. If you want to make money and change lives by selling your knowledge online, do not launch an online course. Only 6% of those are ever completed. Create instead your own branded app and launch the ultimate learning experience that sells. Passion.io is a drag and drop platform where you create interactive content to sell using your own branded app. Forget any tech hassles. You deserve a platform that makes it easy. You can move your existing clients, you can reach new clients, or you can even swap your online course for something that actually works. Delight clients with downloadable and even live content. You can trigger instant action using push notifications, generate more revenue with single touch payment, and you can stream across all devices. Best yet, Try it for free for 14 days. Go to masterleadership.org forward slash passion and get started today. Did you know that a great accountant can double your business and save you tens of thousands of dollars every single year? But it's hard to find the good ones. That's where Accountant Hires comes in. They match you with an exceptional accountant in just seven days. Every accountant in their network is rigorously tested and vetted, so you can focus on what matters. Hire a top accountant today at Accountant Hires. Go to masterleadership.org forward slash AH 
That's masterleadership.org forward slash AH. Welcome, Jeff Nishwitz. How are you? I am fantastic, Lily. Excited for the day. Well, we're so happy to have you on our podcast. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? Always ready to engage. (laughs) You look ready. I love it. So, Jeff, tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. Well, it's been an interesting path. I, I don't know if you have this experience, Lily. I found that the rest of the world is more interested in my story than I am. Because I lived it. So to me, it was just what I lived. But I think I'm learning that people, including myself, love hearing about other people's journey. So the the relatively short version is I'm a recovered lawyer. I started my career as a lawyer, very traditional, just locked in. I'm going to be a corporate lawyer, worked for a big law firm, became partner and sort of said, now what? And realized I wanted to be in leadership and didn't think I'd ever get the opportunity there. I was an outlier there. Let's just say that. Also interpreted as a troublemaker. (laughs) They told me I asked too many questions. A disruptor. (laughs) I'm a disruptor. And so I started my own law firm, did that for a number of years, and then realized that what I loved was the business of law, but I didn't really like practicing law. So I walked away from it. I quit despite 17 years in it, all the education, all the success. It was all working, except I wasn't happy. And that's when I realized that happiness was worth more than any amount of money or prestige. And that's when the real journey began. I went out and started a business, had a a significant failure in business, uh, then went back working for other folks, doing business development and learned how to build relationships well. And then about 12 years ago this month, the stars aligned I'd love to tell people it was a great plan, brilliantly executed that brought me here, you know, going from a lawyer to a sales guy to now a coach, speaker, facilitator, but it was more like a car wreck. (laughs) And I was going down the highway at a high rate of speed, left the highway, flipped over a few times, but incredibly the car landed on its wheels Car was damaged, but drivable. Driver was damaged, but survived. And I drove in the direction the car was facing. And that is a lot more true than people want to believe. It's really been about listening and learning to follow my heart and my intuition. And to just tap into who I am as a person and now as a leader. That's an incredible story. I love the fact that you shared your failures in such a unique way. It's so visual. And a lot of our listeners, myself included, can relate to failure. So I love how you worked through that. Now, you said that you realized some time ago that you wanted to go into leadership. How did that happen? Like when did that light bulb go on? It was a slow burn. It wasn't like a light switch. Because if you'd asked me five years ago, What do I speak about? What do I talk about? What do I coach about? I would have had all sorts of answers. But today, when you ask me, it's simple. I am all about leadership. Business leadership, corporate leadership, positional leadership, life leadership, relationship leadership, because I've realized that everything is about leadership. I believe every gap we have in every corner of our lives comes down to some piece of leadership. 
And my mission is to empower people to understand that they are leaders and they have the opportunity to what I call take action in those leadership moments that change everything. I just want to empower people to lead where they are is the bottom line. And sometimes they need some tools for that. And sometimes they need empowerment. And a lot of times what they need is for me to help them remove the hurdles. The last thing I'll share on it. I was talking to my marketing guy the other day and he said, summarize in a short sentence, what you do. And I said, wow, I'm a speaker. What do you mean one sentence? But what came out was that I help business owners and others, but I work with a lot of owners. I help business owners and people run a hundred yard dash instead of a hundred yard hurdle Mm. because I help them to get the hurdles out of the way. And many of those hurdles are them. Right. And you know, your story and how you connect with people really connects with me because it's like our journeys have converged. I was in education for I'm still in education. That's my space for over 25 years. And this came up in me that everything rises and falls on leadership. And if we're going to educate the world, we need to include leadership in there. So you have certainly activated my heart. So you have an organization now. Tell us about that. Well, I've got a couple, actually. I'm never boring. The company I founded 12 years ago is called the Nishwitz Group. And that's where I do my speaking, coaching, business and life coaching together under it. I do trainings, work with a lot of companies and corporate leaders. In 2020, great timing, started a business called Cardivera, which is C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A. It's a word we made up, my business partner and I, and it means true heart. And it's about finding the true heart of leadership. And that is an online interactive membership, tribe-based community around leadership development. But you develop the whole person, not just the leader. You develop the person so they can lead. And that same business partner and I also started the Impact Leadership Podcast this year. So I've got a few things stirring out there. Yes, you do. Now, where can we connect with you? You can find me on my website. If you know how to spell my last name, you, you nailed it. Uh, it's N-I-S-C-H-W-I-T-Z, so nishwitzgroup.com. Jeff at nishwitzgroup.com is my email. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. Cardovera.com is the other website. Impactleadershippodcast.com. And I love connecting with people because I don't know about you, Lily. One thing I decided without knowing, I decided it years ago, is that my life will be enriched based upon the people I interact with in my life which seems so obvious, but today I look at each of my days and when someone says, how was your day? Almost every time I am asked, I'll start off by saying, I had this amazing conversation today. Not what I got done, not what I achieved, but what was that conversation I had, whether it was you on a podcast or someone I'm interacting with through something I found three months ago called the lunch club or clients or whatever it is. I just love people. I'm curious. And if more people live their life that way, we would be happier, more connected, more relatable, just more joyful. You know, I was going to say as an overachiever, but I don't really believe we overachieve. I believe we walk into our magnificence. So as a magnificent being, you've also written several books in your downtime, right? Well, I've written and published four books. I joke about that because there's two books that I've written and not published. 
they're not done. They just didn't speak to me when I got near the end. I've committed to write another book this year, specifically on leadership called Snow Globe Leadership, which is a big part of my whole metaphor is snow globes. The latest book came out in 2020 called Just One Step, Walking Backward to the Present on the Camino Trail, which is about a walk I took on a pilgrimage journey in Spain a couple of years ago on the Camino de Santiago. The experience I had, what I learned there, and more importantly, different way for people to live their lives and to lead in their lives. And you don't have to go to Spain. I mean, I went to Spain, but it's all the things I talk about in the book are things anybody can implement if they're willing to be uncomfortable. Ah, that's the big if. Yeah. You can't change anything. Something I said on a talk about a month ago, never thought it, never said it. And now it's just like, I'm sure you have these lily words like ingrained in your heart. You'll never forget it, which is that great discomfort always precedes great outcomes. That you can't have great outcomes without great discomfort. Right. And it can, if you're willing to grow, right? Because change happens, but growth is optional. Absolutely. That is so true for 2020, isn't it, Lily? Oh, my God. Forever. (laughs) But it really was highlighted in 2020. So speaking of 2020, we're hopefully on the tail end of the global pandemic, COVID-19. How has that affected you? A couple ways. It has had a dramatic impact on my business and not favorable in the sense of dollars and cents. I'm really particular about my words because in the first month or so of the pandemic, back in March and April, I found myself saying that my business has been devastated. And I said, well, that's not really true. What's happened is my revenue has been devastated because a big part of my business going into 2020 was speaking in person. So my business is down about 60% in 2020. Mm -hmm. That's not a great thing, except it is because it stimulated innovation. It stimulated me into action. You know, I I published a book in 2020, despite people saying you should wait. I started a podcast, started a new business, what everybody's saying, wait. And so I learned so much in 2020. I learned about declaring a no waiting zone for myself and my business, which I read. What is that? Well, a lot of people in 2020 put everything on pause. As soon as things got crazy back in March, they started letting people go. They started cutting all their budgets for sales and marketing. They cut all their budgets for training. They basically said, we're going to hunker down and get through this because people kept saying, can't wait for things to get back to normal. That's a waiting mindset. I can't wait to get back to something versus how are we going to transform what we're in? And I've told leaders, even in the last few months of organizations, I tell them, look, I think you should assume that the way things are today are how things will be for the next three years. Mm. Well, no, we're almost over. I said, really, what does that mean? You know, we've got a vaccine now. Well, we sort of do. Not everybody has it. How fast are they going to get it? Is it going to be effective? Will everybody take it? You said the tail end, but I think COVID is going to have a long tail. And we need to be thinking differently about our business and consciously innovating instead of reactively making adjustments. We made a lot of adjustments in 2020, but I don't know that a lot of people innovated in 2020 because those are very different. What's the future going to look like? I don't know if you saw this, but this is leadership. This is kind of new information. 
you know, Gallup, who does all the, the employee engagement surveys, have been surveying throughout COVID. What they found is that, well, unfortunately, these are the numbers. Pre-COVID, we had gotten back to an all-time high in employee engagement in late 2019. About 30% of our people are engaged. Woo, we're really killing it. But that's the all-time high. It spiked in the first month or two after COVID. Their lockdowns went up to about 37%, which I believe is because people were sort of looking out for each other. It's kind of like the post 9-11 effect. We're all together here for a while. We're looking out for each other. Well, now it is back down to an all-time low. And I think what's happened is there was a level of leadership required during COVID pandemic that most leaders either didn't have the muscles for we're not willing to be uncomfortable enough to go there. I'm going to share this because I think it's so important, Lily. 2020, I know people hate unprecedented and epic, but it was in terms of the emotional impact on people at a national and global level. You think back to 9-11, and you're from New York. I don't know if you were in New York then. Yes, I was. The whole nation had an emotional impact from that. But the truth is, the whole nation didn't struggle with it for a long time. People in New York did. Mm-hmm. Within a couple of months, the rest of the world was going about their lives. But the people in New York, they were having that reminder every day. Yeah. But this, people are being just riddled with emotions. We've had all the social unrest, a political election, divisiveness. In my opinion, in the last 100 years, this is the most turbulent and emotional time that this country has suffered, people have suffered, and leaders I don't think were ready to provide the compassion and empathy and vulnerability that was required to, I call it, hold space for their people. So people have been sucking it up emotionally or medicating emotionally, and that doesn't serve us, and it doesn't serve our teams, it doesn't serve our families. And I'm concerned about the future because what's the impact of all these people surviving but really struggling emotionally without feeling like they've got a place to feel safe. You know, we started this conversation with me asking, what do you mean by declaring a no waiting zone? And then you spoke about holding space for people. Two different things. It's okay to pause and hold space for people. And I want to touch on this because one of the ways that I have pivoted is how I engage via the internet. I've had to gain skills to engage people better because I realized that they're not engaging because this has gone on for so long. So innovation is so, so important as a leader and knowing that many people are in burnout or near there, especially in education, which I'm sure you've experienced in all different industries. So I appreciate what you've shared here. Now, what quotes, advice, or practice helps you most during crisis? That's easy. It's easy because the answer to that question is what helps me in all of my life. And I really feel like the COVID pandemic was a test of my philosophy of life because it was serving me really well pre-COVID, but then here comes COVID and I got some body blows. I mean, it's been real. It's been, the struggle has been real. And the simplest answer is this. There's two pieces that to me, these two solve everything. One is I always have a choice. My belief system is I always have a choice. I always have a choice 
of action. I always have a choice of how to see things. Now, that doesn't mean I can always do what I want, but I always have a choice. And the biggest one is I have a choice of how I see things. And I choose to see what is versus what I make up about what is. I call myself an itist, I-T-I-S-T. I'm not an optimist. I'm not a realist. I'm not a pessimist. I'm an itist. So when something happens, I look at it and say, well, this is what happened. Because all of our stress is about what we make that mean. All of our fear is about what we make that mean about us. One big one is I always have a choice. And the other one that's probably even bigger is getting more and more able to consistently live in the present moment. Because when I do that, I see my choices. I see my perspectives differently. When I'm present, I don't time travel. I don't have regrets. I don't have fear because fear is about going into the future. I'm worried about what might happen in the future. That's fear. But if I'm present, I'm just here in this moment, whether that's with you right now, Lily, or on some work I'm doing, whatever it is. In fact, that is the final chapter in my most recent book is living in the present moment because it is the secret sauce. It is what I call the secret to living in an unstoppable life because when we're in the present, we are the most confident. We are most self-worthy. We see all the beauty in ourselves. There's no shame. There's no guilt in the present moment. We see ourselves as the, you said, what was the word you used earlier? I loved it. Magnificent. We are in our magnificence when we're present. Because if I have a single doubt about myself, I'm not magnificent in that moment because I'm doubting myself, but that's because I'm not present. Because when I'm present, I'm here and I'm enough right here. I'm enough. So that's the two biggies, living in the present and understanding that I always have a choice. And I want to tell you, Jeff, you walk the talk because I feel your energy. You are present. I love that you're an itist. The way I picture that is someone who looks in a mirror doesn't say, oh, what happened to me? Or what do I do now? You look in the mirror and say, what can I do now? What does this open up for me? And being in the present moment requires practice, right? Because we're always in our past or in our future, but being present is where we live. This is the space we hold and this is where we get to have fun and be magnificent. Isn't it fun, Lily? That's what I love about our podcast. You meet so many cool people and you get to hang out and have a cool conversation. That's right. So Jeff, as a lifelong learner, what are you learning right now? That's a great question. I'm always triggered in a little bit by the word lifelong learner, because I think you alluded to this earlier, Lily. I think we believe that we learn through experiences, but I don't believe that anymore. I believe that we have to be more intentional with our learning, because typically when we have experiences, we learn to try and avoid that if it was a negative experience or recreate it if it was a good experience, but we don't understand why. So to me, learning is really intentional. And the thing I'm learning the most right now is what it looks like to be of service, because that's one of my personal commitments in my life, to serve everyone I interact with. But to be of service and reach out to people through that service to invite them to work with me. I know that seems like so obvious, but I'm realizing that's something I need to work on. I tend to give so much away. I'm constantly giving value without expecting anything in return, which is how who I want to be as a leader. 
And there's the reality of our world. I think what I believe for a long time is that if I just serve, people will come to me to do business with me. But that's not actually true. What I've learned is the more I serve, the more people will come to me to get served, but not necessarily to do business with me. And it's kind of a micro thing, but it's really significant. And I'm in the middle of it. I'm innovating in my sales and marketing right now. And one of the challenges is when I lost all the speaking business in 2020, speaking was how I got all my coaching clients. I had never marketed coaching before because I didn't have to. I would speak and someone would hire me. Well, all of a sudden I lost the speaking revenue and I lost that sales and marketing channel. So for the first time in my business, I'm in a position that I need to market and sell my coaching and some new things I've created. And I'm learning that. It's kind of interesting at this age and this point in my life, learning something new and being uncomfortable and finding that space of service and exchanging value for that service. Right. And that's a very personal thing, too, even though it's business, it connects you to what you do and the work that you do on a personal level. And leadership is all social, emotional development and growth. Clearly, you value who you serve. You said that people tend to learn from their experience or they want to learn from their experience. Is that what you said? They think they learn from the experience, but I don't believe we do. I think learning is intentional, like examining what happened and what can I learn from it. 2020 is a great example. I think people believe they learned a lot in 2020 and they think they became more resilient. Right. And I think that's largely not true. I think a lot of people went through experiences, but I'm not sure what they learned because they can't even tell. If you can't tell me what you learned, you didn't learn anything. Right. Right. You, you got to be able to tell me what you learned. And number two, resilience is very different than survival. And I think too many people survived 2020 in the pandemic. They sucked it up. They did what they had to do. And we're seeing a huge cost and burnout. We've got depression rates amped up. We've got suicide rates amped up. I'm not saying it's all bad. There's a lot of gifts that came from this. Here's the thing. I don't know if a lot of people are really ready for another disruption as much as they're happy they got through this one somehow. Yeah. It's fascinating to me, Lily, how attached we are to normal. Like I said earlier, when we started the lockdown or stay-at-homes in March in the United States, in some states, for about a month or two, maybe even six weeks, people kept saying, I can't wait for things to get back to normal. Yeah. Well, first of all, was normal really that great? Or was it just better than this? I think for a lot of people, it's just better than the chaos and disruption they were in. Well, then when COVID didn't go away right away, then it became, now we're in the new normal. We started calling it new normal, but it changed every day. Like, why does everybody need normal? I don't even use the word normal, but the world was consumed with this idea of normalcy. I can't wait till it can be more normal. And I think it's back to, we want our comfort zone and we don't learn in our comfort zone. We learn when we are disrupted. And I want to say, if you're intentional, and that's the word that you used, Mm -hmm. we learn in our discomfort zone if we're intentional, which is why a lot of us keep being in the same situation and wondering, why am I here again? Yeah, you've experienced that before. Why are you here again? And we all go through that. And then the penny could drop if we let it. 
if we kind of pull that thread, why am I here again? Okay, well, let me see. And here's where your work comes into practice and my work as well as a coach. This is where we speak into people's lives and help them unveil or remove the veil so that they can see clearly. You're right. It's the work. I love that idea. I call it pulling threads, right? You're pulling a thread and see what comes out of it. Yes. You just pull this thread. You don't know if it's the right thread. You just pull the thread and see what's there. And then, well, okay, we'll pull this thread, lift the veil, lower the veil, whatever it is. You and I love leadership. When you think of leadership today, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? They're the same thing. What concerns me the most is the evidence is in. All the research is in all the anecdotes are in, all the team feedback is in, that the most important trait in leadership, especially more formalized leadership, but I believe it applies in personal leadership, relationships, all of it, is more vulnerability. That's not a secret anymore. And yet, it is still sorely lacking in leadership. And there's this collision that has happened because at one level, We know that trust is important, and the key to trust is vulnerable leadership. You know, that's so critical. And yet, the studies also tell us that leaders in positions of leadership, their greatest fears are fear of not appearing confident, fear of making a mistake, fear of failing. Well, if you're uncomfortable with those, you won't be vulnerable. And that's what's needed. And there's so many organizations and leaders who say we care about our people, but do you really care about your people? Do you put it in action? Do you make time? Do you set, do you slow down to give your people space? Do your people feel safe? Not just physical safety, which was an issue during COVID, but emotional, psychological, spiritual safety. Do they feel like they belong? That's the gap. And my hope is that more and more leaders will be courageous, or some people call it brave. I say it's just vulnerable. You know, Brene Brown said that vulnerability is what the definition of bravery and courage. But whatever it takes to open ourselves up with more empathy, more compassion, that's what the world needs right now. The world does not need a better strategist. I think the world of innovation, we do not need a better innovator right now. We need more people who are willing to lead with compassion, empathy, and vulnerability. And my hope is that through the emotion of the COVID pandemic, more leaders will have found that and will have the courage and bravery to live it, even if it's not their position, but just live it every day. And if we do that, I think we got a shot to turn things around in a beautiful way. Yeah. um, When I think of vulnerability and I think of trust that you've mentioned as really important pillars in leadership, It takes me back to humility, Jeff, which makes sense why this is so hard for people because I don't run to humility. (laughs) I'm a prideful person. I have been. I'm practicing humility because I know that that is the only path to wisdom, the only path to wisdom, which is why we have a few wise leaders and not as many as we should. So you are speaking wisdom, which tells me that you are also on that path that you recognize. It takes help from other people because we have that blind spot, right? We don't see what we don't see. 
um, and we don't see our pride and we don't see our ego most of the time. I think that is so important, Lily, that humility piece, because a number of years ago, a gentleman who's become a friend named John approached me. We were at a retreat. We were both leading at different places in the retreat, and he came up to me and gave me a gift. He said, Jeff, when I watch you in your leadership, I see a lot of humility. And he said, what I've learned is that people either grew up with that humility or they got humbled. <laughs> and I said, John, that's easy. I think I grew up with it. I'm learning how I grew up with it, but I said, I really got humbled. But the humbling had to be intentional as well. Right. Because I had a huge failure in my life that I talk openly about, but that's not what humbled me. The humbleness came when I was willing to take full responsibility for that failure, which took five years. Yes. For five years, I told a brilliant story that was all true, but it wasn't the truth. And then I remember in September of 2009, standing on a stage, I just remember it for the first time, telling a group of entrepreneurs, I failed. And here's how I failed. And here's why this business failed. And it was about me. That's when the humility started to happen. Until we're willing to take responsibility for our errors and failures and own them, we don't get humility out of that. We don't learn. That's why there's that extra step. It's not the experience. It's the intentionality and the ownership. Love it. And wisdom is learning from others' experience. <laughs> you don't have to go through it yourself. And humility is also something that we intentionally have to practice, just like presence. Now, Jeff, you have an option here. You can either take a question from a former guest, or you can share a challenge, struggle, failure that you learned from. I've shared a good bit about that. So you want to um, a question from a former guest? Yeah, I like that because I don't know what's coming and I like that. All right, here we go. So we have a question from Simone and Malcolm Collins. They want to know, what does leadership look like in the age of automation? Well, my simple answer to that is you remember that those two are unrelated. Because here's my truth. Leadership is always about people. We don't lead automation. We don't lead processes. We manage processes. We lead the people who are executing those processes. So for me, no matter how automated we get, and when we forget that we're dealing with people, and let's be, use the word that you and I haven't used, we're leading human beings. In order to lead a human being, I need to be more human, and I need to treat them more like a human and if we can bring more human beingness into our leadership, that's what leadership is about. They're not inconsistent. It's remembering that this is about people and people are humans and they have lives and they have emotions and they are rich. They are magnificent and miraculous in all their flaws and all their beauty. I love we remember that. That's what leadership is about. Beautifully said. Thank you so much. Now, as a listener of this podcast, what is a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? Like, what are you curious about? I often ask this question because I'm an obstacle person. I believe it's more about removing obstacles than finding a new way. So if I was talking to a leader, I would say, what is the biggest obstacle to you leading the way you say you want to? That's a great question. Love it. So Jeff, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? 
So I believe that one of the greatest things that we need to must embrace in our lives to navigate life brilliantly in all parts of our life is the idea of paradox. The idea that two seemingly inconsistent thoughts coexist. And one of them is this. I want to continue to grow and learn and improve and evolve. I do for myself. And I want to empower others to do that as well. And I already have everything I need to achieve what I desire. So it's this paradox that I am enough. I'm already enough and I want to get better. Those aren't inconsistent. That's a paradox. And so many people are just beating themselves up about what they're not. I want to invite people to look in the mirror and see all that they are and to surround themselves with people who will remind them every day all that they are because people are amazing and they have so much in them and so much heart and soul. And in many cases, the world has told them otherwise. And they're trying to be something that they're not. And they're trying to be more of someone else. Be you. Be you is, in Lily's word, magnificent. Love it. Jeff, I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. You are magnificent. You're so energizing and it has lifted my spirit. Thank you, Lily. I was, I'm grateful to have been here and shared this time with you. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. I'm on it. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.